You're listening to Season 4, Episode Number 3 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is John Hurst, Director of Program Innovation at SIL International. Our conversation today is about innovation and kingdom expansion. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. If you've been listening to Strike the Match from the very beginning, uh, or if you just tuned in for this uh, episode being your first time as a listener, you know that uh, one of the, uh, the taglines uh, related to this podcast in the, uh, the intro uh, is that this is uh, a podcast that also deals with the topic of, of kingdom innovation. And today on Strike the Match, uh, we have an individual who's joining us, uh, who I think is is one of the the, the lead uh, thinkers, one of the lead uh, individuals when it comes to the issue of innovation within the kingdom. Uh, John Hirsch is my guest today, and John uh, has just recently, as of just a, a day or two ago, uh, accepted a position as the director of program innovation with SIL. And uh, some of you know SIL is the Summer Institute of Linguistics. And so John is going to be stepping into that role uh, really soon. Uh, he uh, comes from a, a lengthy background in, uh, in kingdom work. Uh, in fact, he was the CEO of GMI, uh, was involved in a lot of research and mapping with that uh, mission agency that... Um, was around for many years. Uh, he is also the co-founder of Generous Mind. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Uh, co-authored a book called Innovation in Mission with Jim Reepson several years ago. And so I have been uh, hoping to have uh, John on uh, Strike the Match for some time, but uh, could not get it worked out until season four. And that's not his fault. That's my fault. So I take full blame for that. But John, I'm so thankful you're here. So welcome to Strike the Match. Thanks so much, uh, JD. Great to be with you. So, so man, I know that as we're talking here, you're on you're you're unboxing uh, computer boxes and setting up office space. Uh, tell us a little bit about this new uh, uh, calling that you've got. Sure, sure. So, um, this uh, this new role is uh, is a role in the innovation space, which is what really God had uh, put on my heart, my wife Mindy and my heart to do in our next role. You know, the the interesting thing is is that. I've always been involved in innovation work. Like you said, I wrote the or I edited the book with Jim Reepsum mm-hmm. uh, back. That was actually 2005, so it's been a little while. But innovation's always kind of been on the edges of my roles. I've usually had more management and operational kinds of roles with within the ministry world. And and uh, but at this at this phase uh, that we were in, we really felt God saying, "This is your moment to pivot." and make innovation kind of the center of what you do rather than on the edges of what you do. And so I'm really excited about uh, this new opportunity. Just real quick, um, SIL, many of you will know SIL more uh, from um, its partner organization called Wycliffe, uh, involved in Bible translation. SIL is kind of the plumbing that runs underneath the Bible translation world. Uh, It's really focused on serving language communities, building their capacity for sustainable language development, and helping with research, translation, training. So it's really an equipping organization and uh, working all over the world, over 4,000 people uh, are part of that group. And uh, it's uh, really exciting for me to be joining in with them at this stage. 
Yeah, it's quite a, an impressive uh, ministry with a very impressive history, and and I would say that uh, they are on that innovative pioneering edge uh, from you know going back to the very beginning days. That's right. They they always were um, very very intentional and strategic about bringing academia, bringing um, best practices, and bringing missiology together in a very unique and creative way. Uh, you know, we think about uh, you know, SIL manages the registry of languages through the United Nations, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is the source of uh, what languages are spoken where in the world. And so it's uh, really been able to have a great influence. And of course, um, having that influence for the kingdom and for supporting all of the work that needs to go on in all the languages of the world. So it's exciting. Well, man, I am excited uh, about you being in this role. Uh, John and I have, have known each other for, for a few years and uh, uh, knew, knew of him before he was with GMI. But uh, can you comment a little bit about GMI? Because I know you were with that uh, ministry in its uh, transition period and, and phase out. Sure, sure. Yeah, GMI um, was really the probably the, really the first um, kind of full-time missions research um, organization that was set up in the uh, early 80s. Um, and it was set up uh, at the U.S. Center for World Mission by Dr. Ralph Winter, who founded that, and and by other leaders of the missions movement. And they said, hey, we really need this group that's going to focus on mapping and research to help us know where we need to be headed if we're going to reach the lost around the world and, and what the challenges are and the priorities. And so GMI became this uh, this really cool um, research organization focused on giving missions the data they needed. And it was around for 34 years. I was the CEO for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the CEO um, at the transition when the former CEO had passed away of a heart attack very suddenly. So it was a very traumatic transition. And I stepped in. We were in the process of, of doing a major turnaround to, to uh, um, develop out what the GMI of the 21st century would look like. But, you know, the world has changed a lot, and there's a lot of people doing research, a lot of wonderful work happening. And and what we realized was there just wasn't um, the bandwidth in the ministry world, in the ministry community, to support an organization like GMI the way, the way that it was set up. Mm-hmm. So we had to make a really tough decision, me and the board um, and the staff all together, uh, to close down GMI, actually a year ago, um, July 31st last year, so a year, wow. two days ago. Wow, how about that? Is just just a little, just barely over a year. How about yep. that? I, I remember when that that happened. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I'll say it was a very very difficult time, very challenging. Mm, thing to I bet. Do. Mm. But at the same time, God God showed Himself really faithful. Um, you know, all, all our staff. Um, all were able to get roles after that, many of them in key areas that were continuing some of the same work. And uh, a lot of the resources that we were developing went to other ministries that were able to continue them. So, so you know, even in a very difficult situation, a very mm-hmm. challenging thing, God was really faithful. Well, that is, that's wonderful. Pra- you know, praise the Lord for, for hearing that. And I know that uh, one of the ministries he's allowed you to to be a part of from from the very beginning and even during that time and even ongoing is uh, this work with uh, with generous mind. Uh, you know, if you're those of you that are listening, uh, you can check it out online at generousmind.com. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because that's going to definitely lead us into having this conversation on innovation. 
That's right. Well, Generous Mind is uh, really my wife Mindy and I's lifelong calling to help people be generous with their ideas. So, um, so no matter what role we're in or what we're doing, um, that's one of those kind of core values and core focuses for us as a couple as we uh, as we serve God. And uh, and the basic idea is that is that uh, God wants us to be generous not only with our money, not only with our time and treasure. Um, but also with the ideas he's given us. Mm. And so yeah. uh, Generous Mind exists as kind of a think tank to help people release their ideas to the world in creative ways. And we do educational events. We, uh, we do all of our writing through Generous Mind. My wife and I have worked on four books. And, uh, and uh, then we, uh, we also help ministries. We do a lot of work with ministries, helping them to craft um, their strategies for being generous. And then we have a one-year author mentoring program where we, where we help authors to really uh, decide how they're going to be generous minds in their own thought leadership. So, wow, man, that 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 is awesome, and I know that the influence uh, will continue even in this new role. In fact, it, uh, this new role and and uh, the generous mind may both sort of catalyze one another and continue to take things into greater heights. So I'm looking forward to to hearing how things unfold. Great, me too. So. Let's talk about innovation and and the kingdom uh, for our time together. Um, You know, one of the things that we see in the Old Testament is uh, back in the book of of, uh, Chronicles, where uh, we see David uh, gathering uh, his mighty men, putting them all together. The the writer goes through uh, and is is talking about uh, so many men from this tribe and so many men from that tribe, and and they're all listed as these strong, these powerful, uh, these 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 mighty men of valor. And you run through the tribe of, of this group and tri- tribe of that group, but then when you get to the tribe of, of Issachar, a very simple statement is made, and that is uh, the men that were picked, it basically says uh, of the tribe of Issachar, gives the number of men, and it says, uh, and uh, they, uh, they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. And, and so f- for me, as we talk about this issue on kingdom innovation, Part of it is how do we as kingdom citizens, how do we be students of God's word, but also be students of God's world, and, and, and how should we live, how should we interact uh, you know, in, in the days in which we, we find ourselves, ourselves living, that we can have both zeal and knowledge coupled, coupled together. So, so John, let me just kind of throw this out at you, kind of just a kind of intro definition. Uh, when we talk about innovation uh, in, in the kingdom, so to speak, how, how would you define that? How would you explain what innovation is? Yeah, you know, this is uh, this is one of those things that that uh, is a great place to start. You know, what are we talking about? Because um, <laughs> there's so many definitions, and there's and I think there's a lot of mis uh, misconceptions about about what innovation is. I, I like to use a really really simple definition by a guy named uh, Richard Lyons. It it is that innovation is fresh thinking that creates value. Simply fresh that. thinking that creates value. You got it. So it's got to have two things. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be new. It's got to be creative. It's got to be something new. And it has to create value for those it is um, designed for. And so if it does both those things, then I think we should be able to call it innovative. So, you know, there are probably some folks that are listening right now. And they're driving down the road in their car. They're, they're, they're working out or they're sitting at home in their study. And, and beside of them, uh, there is an Android phone or an iPhone. 
they they have they maybe they've been listening to to this uh, recording of us on, on that device, and a lot of them are thinking, well, innovation has no place in the church. It has no place when it comes to to mission work. Innovation is more for the apples, for uh, the, um, uh, the the Coca Cola company, for McDonald's when they're trying to come up with a better uh, product uh, that they can get to market before their neighbor down the street, so that they can you know you know make more money, make more profit. Uh, so they're you know you got these people tucked away in a research and development lab somewhere in the bottom of a basement somewhere, and it's all top secret, and then they they get it out there so they can be the first to market to to make money. And some are saying. There's no place for innovation within the kingdom. So I know it's a, this is a leading question, but how do you respond to that? How do you how do you respond to the person who has that attitude? Well, you know, I think the first thing to say is I, I fully understand that. And and let me explain why, um, because I think it's really important to then to then uh, how I would respond. I think, you know, when we think about the faith, when we think about um, our calling as kingdom people, right, we are most of the time. We are we are trying to call people back to um, something that that many of us feel you know they have they have left right as a culture as a society or if we're um, or if we're in a new culture like let's say we're in a in a cross cultural context in another country we might be calling them to something they've never heard of mm-hmm. but we're essentially calling people away from what they are doing now and to another way of thinking right mm-hmm. um, but in our minds it's not new. Right, because we've um, many of us have been Christians a long time, and so we're calling them to something that is stayed, that is stable, that is um, true to uh, how God set it up, you know, thousands of years ago, or you know, to the beginning of time when when He created the world, and so so we feel like we are in many ways protecting and guarding, safeguarding, um, defining. Um, you know, orthodoxy and what is true and what is right. And so in that mindset, we tend not to think about creating new things, right? Uh, that's right, not yeah. where our mind goes. And in fact, if you look at nonprofits, ministry, and churches, and we are, we are, um, we are dramatically uh, risk adverse, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we are trying to reduce the ways that we can, um, you know, you know, bring uh, difficulty into the body of Christ. We're trying to we're trying to make it as smooth and and as and as normative as possible. So anyway, all those things mean that um, that we don't think naturally about new and creative things, right? We think mm-hmm. about guarding and safeguarding what what we know to be true, the tenets of the faith. And right, so, right. In fact, you know, in fact, uh, you know, John even writes in one of his epistles, you know, beware of those that run on ahead of the teachings of Jesus. So mm-hmm. what? Don't want to do anything like that. Right, right. So, so I think. So, first of all, I'd say I think I think it's a natural uh, dynamic for us to wonder that question. I don't think it's weird or or um, or says anything necessarily scary about the church. But but um, then to answer the question, uh, what I would say is is that um, is that we have tended to look at one side of our calling as believers. We've tended to look at the preservation side. The preserving side of our of the faith and of our calling and and of our role and of our influence and those sorts of things, but when we look at Jesus and we look at how he um, talked to his disciples and how he talked about the future, um, he was focused not on preserving 
what um, his father had done before, but on bringing in the new kingdom, right? He was mm-hmm. focused on bringing in something that was going to be new. Um, and so I think that what I would answer is I would say that um, the the calling that um, that Jesus gave us um, and the challenges that he gave us through his uh, time on this earth, and then uh, the actions of the disciples, especially in in their kind of trailblazing efforts to uh, expand the gospel beyond Jerusalem, um, I think are are a great way for us to say, yeah, there there is a place for innovation in in my thinking. Not only the preservation of the past, but the charting the course for what Jesus wants uh, his new kingdom to be like. You, you know, when I look, go back and look at the scriptures. Um... You know, I think about statements. You know, Jesus says, you know, Matthew sixteen, I will build my church. Um, mm. it, you know, if if there is a building that's happening, a, a construct, if I can run with that metaphor, a construction that's happening, uh, that means change is happening. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I've never seen a construction site that doesn't always have change occurring on it. Um, you know, if a building's being built, there's always going to be things that are changing. Structures are going to have to change. Uh, people are going to have to change. Roles are going to have to change. Tasks are going to have to change. And so, you know, why? But let me push on this a little bit more. I mean, uh, you know, why? Why is it that that we are so um, um, shocked, so to speak, when it comes to this issue of change? When Jesus says, "I'm going to build my church." You know, we're filled with a dynamic spirit. I mean, if the spirit is dynamic, we should expect change. I mean, wh- why is there that that preservation, so much to the point, the preservation side that you mentioned, that we seem to forget about that? That's a, that's a great question, J.D. I think in my reflection on that, where what I keep coming back to is I think we have a, um, a very broken theology of failure. Um, I think that that is what um, that is what is the main sticking point um, that causes us to resist um, change and the newness of what God is up to and doing. And I think that the the main the brokenness in that theology is is that we believe many of us that failure equals a lack of faith, Mm. a lack of God's blessing a lack of my faithfulness or my commitment to God. And so we strive in our personal Christian lives to reduce any possibility that we could be considered a failure. Mm-hmm. That's, that that's a, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it reminds me of a story um, of two pastors, and, and I, will, I will leave them nameless. Um, Pastor A says to Pastor B, uh, he begins talking to him about an innovative approach to engagement of, of lostness uh, in, his, in his community. And um, it's, it's, very, it's very innovative. Uh, it's, it's within biblical parameters, completely within biblical parameters. It was just culturally not very well accepted. And, it was, um, and there are very few churches that are doing anything like what Pastor Ray was telling to Pastor B. And uh, Pastor A was very convincing in his argument for why he felt like he needed to lead his church in, in that direction. And so here's what Pastor B said. He said, you do it first and give me a success story, and then 
I'll do it. And, and I find that to be the case quite often. A, a lot of people are saying, you know, give me a story. Tell me a story. But we forget about the fact that someone has to be the first person to go to Philippi to plant the church. Someone has got to be the first to, to cross the cultural gap to reach the Gentiles in Antioch. Uh, sometimes there are no stories. Uh, I mean, are you seeing that to be very much similar, a, a similar case that, that that there is this desire of, you know, give me the give me the model and then I'll I'll, I'll gradually wade into it. You know, th- this is this is why I love uh, what Jesus says in Matthew eleven uh, later on in the in the chapter there, where he talks about um, such a, where he prays. He says, "Oh Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever." but revealing them to the childlike, right? Then he goes on to say, come to me, all you who are weary with heavy burdens. And, and we know that verse really well. But I think that, um, that the reason that that verse um, is, I think, so powerful is because, because of this exact issue. Um, I think we are not willing to trust God for the unknown. Um, and, and it comes out in the innovation space because to try something new is unknown, right? And and the mm-hmm. outcomes are unknown, right? I will have to learn. I'll need a lot of grace from those around me. And and a lot of times I don't get that grace, right? I don't have experience receiving grace when I try something new and creative and I go out on the edge for God, right? I in fact, usually what happens is I get batted down, right? Not not me right. particularly, but you know, me as a believer, I get batted down and then I say, well, you know, you should have done it this way or or why why'd you risk so much on this or why'd you spend your money that way and and so i think um i don't have a lot of trust in god in this area because i have not seen it um bear fruit a lot of times in fact mm-hmm. um people around me have uh, have really discouraged me from acting in that way if i'm the average believer sure because yeah as you, as you just said there there're no there're no results there 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 are no, there's no fruit that we can see, and some, some, some adjustments in, in innovation uh, will require you know, just that multiple, multiple adjustments. In other words, uh, right. uh, you know, we try something, it works a little bit, doesn't come out 100% the way we want it to work, um, and so we adjust. We go in a different direction. We try something else, and so it may take several of those iterations. Yeah, you know, before we get to where we feel like the spirit is leading us. Yeah, and you know, I think the other thing that that we we struggle with um, uh, from the spiritual standpoint is, I think there's this sense in the in the in the body of Christ that um, that if I try something and God is in favor and God want, and God is approving, that He will bless it fairly quickly. Right? I think mm. there's a sense among a lot of us, um, and of course we have examples where He absolutely does that. Um, but I think so when we when we try something new and there isn't a quick result, a lot of times we assume uh, that God's hand is not on it, that there yeah, is no blessing for that. Yeah, you know, that's, that's such a, a good point. You know, I kind of going back to the, to the Philippi uh, situation, you know, in Acts 16, I mean, I mean, you have uh, Paul and Silas, they're being led by the Spirit uh, and the and. And the Bible states that they try to go into Asia Minor, and it says the Spirit prevented them. Then they try to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus prevented them. You know, and then you get this Macedonian man vision in the night, and 
you know, they go over to the, the region of Macedonia and they go into the leading port city of Philippi, and that's how the church is birthed. And so, you know, there are times that I've thought about that and been praying through that text, and it's been like, Lord, I think that I probably would have still been there beating on the door of Asia or Bithynia, um, mm. assuming that if you're taking me in this direction, you know, you're not going to close the door, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I think this is why um, being attuned to the Holy Spirit is so important because, you know, there's moments when we have to let go and mm-hmm. and say, um, you know, we we tried and we and we pursued what we thought God was asking us to do, and He probably had reasons for us to do that, but but we're not supposed to go forward. Um, and then times when we have to persevere, and you can only know that through the Holy Spirit. There's no uh, there's no little index card that tells you when to <laughs> when to uh, back off and when to push forward, right? I mean, that's a yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, some of the things God doesn't reveal to us. You know, they they are locked within the heart and the mind of you know, of, of God. I mean, what, you know, why did the team try these two areas? You know, it'll stretch your theology. You know, they're going there to make disciples and it says the spirit of God prevents them, you know? I mean, but it's, but it's, it's in the shooting towards some target. It's in the shooting toward what you believe is a spirit guided approach that I think the Lord often takes our arrows and guides them to the, the actual target that he's wanting it to get to. I mean, it's, you know, it's in the process of praying and then acting and getting out there and watching uh, that he he takes us down to Philippi. Absolutely, and you know, I think um, um, I think a lot of it has to do with how we define our outcomes mm-hmm. in innovation work, right? If the outcome in an innovation project for us is to have um, an iPhone, to create an iPhone, that's a that's a very large and significant outcome, you know, a product that's grossing billions of dollars around the, around the globe and ubiquitous, you know, now in, in our society. Mm-hmm. But if, um, but if we, we, if we start out with the outcome of learning, um, I think, um, you know, one of my, one of my friends in SIL that, uh, that I'm working with, uh, uh, my, my new boss, his name is Steve. And, and he talks about that a lot. He talks about, um, if we make the outcome learning and learning objectives, then, then even if the project does not end up um, producing this amazing, you know, you know, huge thing that is, is widely known around the world, we could have some very significant successes because those learnings that we get are mm-hmm. part, partly, you know, how God makes us who we are and um, how he then continues to work in us. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's really good. I mean, we, we, we we lock and i don't i don't know if this is just an, an an american mindset or what but we we get a goal and i will say you know that we're we're trusting the lord we're praying we're fasting we're seeking his his face we 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 are setting you know goals that we believe the spirit is leading us to but we we lock those in concrete and um you know sometimes it's not healthy sometimes we need to hang on to those loosely because sometimes where we need to go kind of like what you're just saying it's it's some of those things we're going to have to learn on the pathway of not meeting that initial goal in order to get us to where we need to be. Yeah, and I think that that goes back to that definition of innovation, that fresh thinking that creates value. Um, you know, I think where we get locked in is the thinking, right? We get this idea, and we think it's just an awesome idea, and we get so excited about it. But if we if we have to filter it through it creating value, and that value being kingdom value. Mm-hmm. Um, then that allows us to um, be able to hold ideas more loosely because 
if our cool idea is not creating value for the kingdom, then we need to drop it, right? We need to move mm-hmm. on to something else. You know, I think about church history, and um, you know, throughout church history, you you see innovation happening in, in mission work on the field. I mean, you, the, you know, um, you, you think about those that used to go to the uh, the coastlands, you know, in different parts, and then they they realized, hey, there were unreached peoples that were living within the interior regions of of you know Sudan or China, and you know, there's actually agencies that you know talked about being the you know. Sudan interior missions, you know, Chinese interior mission. Um, and they saw that and they adjusted. They adjusted their plans, their strategy, their their structures, and they moved inland. Um, you think about, uh, you know, how the church has embraced medicine to use on the field, how the church has uh, embraced technology, even, you know, some of the things that uh, Wycliffe has done and is, you know, uh, you know, is doing right now. I mean, we we have a history. We have 2,000 years of history whereby... We, we innovate and things of that nature. So let, let me ask you maybe to, to kind of speak maybe to the, to the pastor, to the missionary that's out there. Um, what, what, what does this innovation kind of look like in, in, a, in a local church context, you know, in my, in my church planting work on the field or wherever the Lord has called me? You know, what, 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 does this kind of, what does this kind of feel like, look like, so to speak? Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it, it is a... A fuzzy word that that um that doesn't seem to be easy to kind of land the plane on, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, right. So what I would say to that is is that um if you have a challenge, problem, a challenge, a, you know if you're if you're an optimist, you might call it an opportunity, whatever the case might be. <laughs> but if you've got that thing that's sitting out, that barrier that's sitting in front of you, um, you're not going to climb over the barrier. You're not going to um, you're not going to tackle that challenge with the same thinking that you had before, because that's the thinking that brought you up against it, right? That's right, right. And so really what innovation is, is saying, okay, I've got this barrier, I've got this challenge, I've got this opportunity, and it's going to take some new thinking to get beyond it. And so let me go out and let me look, you know, s- search out the uh, the greatest wisdom in, in God's word and the the greatest uh, insights that the world has to offer, and let me find a creative solution, some fresh thinking that will get me beyond that. So, so it could be um, something like for a church planner. Let's say, let's say, let's say the church planner is struggling with the fact that um, that they cannot find new ways to connect with people in their community. Right? Mm-hmm. They've been doing all the things everyone tells them to do. They've been going to the cafe, they've been, you know, they've been um, meeting their neighbors, they've been doing all those things. Well, well, if none of those are working, then that's a barrier. They, they, they've run up against that. And they're going to have to innovate, come up with some fresh thinking that creates value in essentially overcoming that barrier and allowing them to connect with their community. And um, so I think that really can be done by anybody. This issue of innovation and I know I'm speaking to the innovation guy here. I mean, it, it is it is important. Why would you say it is important? And just just as a very simple statement, you're on the elevator. Someone asks you, you know, why is innovation important when it comes to to body life? How how would you respond to that question? Uh, well, because God is a creative God, and we're not fully um, knowing Him and living in Him unless we are also being creative. And some people will be creative 
with a, a pen and, and paper. Some will be creative with a brush and, and paint. Some will be creative with uh, wood and nails, and others will be creative with organizational structures and ideas and, and programs and products. And all those ways are, are all valid, all wonderful, um, and that's where innovation fits. So I'm hearing you say you know, some some takeaways for for the listener to to apply. I'm hearing you say in addition to being you know spirit filled, spirit led, uh, the words such as uh, patient, uh, be willing to try something new, um, be bold. What else am I missing? Yeah, you know, um, I think there's uh, three words um, that uh, that I always try to leave with people in relation to this. Um, one is humility. Mm, um, that's good. You can't be innovative unless you are humble because you can't be innovative unless you're learning and listening to others and understanding your environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The second is curiosity. You can't be innovative if you're not curious. If you don't ask the question, well, why does it work like that? And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and why isn't that working better? And those sorts of things, right? And then the third word is connections. You can't be innovative if you don't see connections between stuff, right? Um, if you're not an integrated thinker. I think one of the skills, you know, um, that I think is most critical today for a kingdom person is being an integrated thinker. Because until we can connect the dots between different disciplines and different areas of understanding and different, uh, different domains of expertise, we cannot solve the complex challenges that are facing us as the body of Christ. Mm, that's a good, that's a good point. The, we we're in such a a complex and diverse world that's always changing, and um, you know, unless Jesus returns uh, before this podcast is over, we're going to have to adjust and innovate, aren't we? Yep, I think we will. My guest uh, today on Strike the Match is, is John Hurst, and uh, it's been a huge blessing. Um, to have him on the program today. John, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, find you online, wherever, uh, how can, how can uh, they do that? Well, I think related to this podcast, uh, the, the most helpful thing for them to do would be to go to innovationinmission.com. And, uh, and I'm doing uh, about uh, four or five webinars a, a year on the innovation topic and you can sign up for the next webinar right there on that page. And you can also watch all the videos of the previous webinars. So a lot of great insight and knowledge and stuff to, to play around with. Um, and then um, I think, you know, I'd love for people to look me up on Twitter. Uh, it's just uh, twitter.com forward slash John Hurst Talks. J-O-N-H-I-R-S-T-T-A-L-K-S, right? You got it. Fantastic. Innovationinmission.com. You all need to check that out. Uh, you also need to go back and, and check out, uh, if you're especially interested in reading about Innovation Mission, very, very few books, folks, very, very few books out there on this topic, uh, one of which, uh, as John mentioned earlier, he co-edited with Jim Reapson uh, by that title. You need to check that out. Uh, John, uh, you're on Facebook, Generous Minds, uh, generousmindwebsite.com. That's right. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and all and Twitter as well with uh, with uh, generous mind as well so they can join us there too. Awesome, fantastic. Well, brother, thank you so much. It's uh, been great having you with us today. 
Great to be with you. Thanks for being such a generous mind, J.D. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Day. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.